Hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Yours Truly podcast. This is episode 186. If anyone is counting or keeping track, I know I have a hard time keeping track of things. And literally every time before I go to hit record on the intro for a new episode, I have to type in my podcast on Apple Podcasts to remind myself what number we're on. So it's 186, but I'm your host. I am Claire Tuning, your resident registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. I come on this show about once a month or exactly once a month, to share episodes with guests about all things food and eating and body image, intuitive eating, gentle nutrition, uh, all the things. I hope you're having a good February so far. I know this episode is coming out close to the end of February. I guess the day that this episode airs, it will have been exactly one week from Valentine's Day. I find that every February, for as many years as I've had the show, I try to do something like love or body image related because, I mean, the theme is right there. How could I not? And this February's episode is no different because I have a very special guest. Her name is Amanda. You may or may not know her from social media as the bitchin' body image RD. I know that's one of the first things that I said to her when we hopped on Zoom. I was like, your handle is imprinted into my mind because it is so bold and fun and easy to remember. So I'm really excited to turn it over to our conversation with Amanda here in a couple of minutes. But before we do that, I thought we could do a little little check-in moment. I don't know where you are when you're listening to this podcast or what time of day you have decided to tune in, but maybe do a little like check-in with your water cup. Have you filled it up lately? Have you been drinking water today? Have you had a meal? Or if you haven't, are you working towards that, dreaming up what that meal might be? I'm sitting here uh, recording this at like 10.30 in the morning and I'm staring at my coffee cup, which is almost empty, but that's all right because I have already eaten breakfast and I am staying hydrated. So just a gentle reminder here, if you are also staring at an empty coffee cup, but no other form of energy or fuel has entered your body today. Coffee is not a meal. Let's go get maybe a snack or a meal to accompany this episode. I just wanted to check in on you there in case no one else had today. But like I said, hope you're having a good February so far. My February has been filled with um, just a lot of fun activities. I did a Galentine's Day book club with an Allie Hazelwood novel. I will sometimes talk about what I'm reading fiction-wise here on the podcast because I find that a lot of you, at least people who follow me on Instagram and respond to my stories, also tend to be avid fiction readers. So if you are in the mood for a fun rom-com novel with a little bit of spice, I do highly recommend Allie Hazelwood novels. A lot of her books, or at least the ones that I have read, feature a protagonist who is typically a woman in STEM. We love that for them, and I am just absolutely in love with the male characters that she writes, particularly this last one, um, Love Theoretically, was the title. And I've also read, what was it called? The Love Hypothesis, I believe, as you can see, sciencey titles. But I liked Love Theoretically a little bit better than The Love Hypothesis. So take that as you will. But I had a fun Galentine's Book Club. Um, I'm also in the midst of planning a video series that I will be hosting over the full month of March in honor of National Nutrition Month. I haven't announced this anywhere, so if you listen to the podcast, you heard it here first. But this nutrition or this series that I'm going to be hosting on TikTok and Instagram is going to be called Back to Basics. And I've pulled my audience just for a lot of nutrition related questions that they have or nutrition topics that they wish they understood more about. And everyone really delivered. I had a lot of questions submitted, so I am planning my videos, like one video to answer each one of those questions. So stay tuned for that. I am knee deep in editing videos, which has been a real plot twist for me in my career. Like if you would have asked me as a dietetic student how I predicted I might spend my days as a dietitian, I would have severely underestimated the amount of time I spend editing videos and (laughs) teaching myself how to do that because it's quite the steep learning curve. But I digress. Stay tuned. Um, Valentine's Day, actual Valentine's Day, I was gifted by my sweet, sweet fiance a delicious bag of the lint truffles. So good. 
I am convinced that no better brand of chocolate exists. Like maybe there's a smaller unknown brand out there that makes better chocolate, but something about the buttery texture of those truffles, like when you bite into them, chef's kiss. I love it so much. I was a little bit bamboozled though when I bit into one of them and it was white chocolate. I was not anticipating that. So I hope you've had your fair share of chocolate or whatever your favorite sweet treat might be. And if you didn't get it on actual Valentine's Day, well then lucky you, all of it is on sale now at the grocery store. So quick reminder to peruse on by <laughs> that section of the store. But without further ado, let's um, chat a little bit about Amanda. I have her bio here in case you are not familiar with her work so you can understand a little bit more about her background and why she is so great and qualified to speak on this topic of body image. But Amanda is a fellow registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. She owns a group private practice of RDs who support people with disordered eating and eating disorders. She also teaches other providers how to incorporate body image counseling skills into their practice, which is where her bitchin' body image RD tag comes, comes into play. It's Amanda's mission to talk about this topic without guilt, shame, or a sense of failure, and to understand the systemic forces that cause us to feel the way we do about our bodies. So in this conversation you're about to tune into, we will dig into what Amanda calls the four pillars of body image. She states them and breaks all of them down and even offers a couple of examples of how they might show up in your own relationship with your body. We also talk about how to hold space for body image challenges that might surface in romantic relationships. I know this episode is a couple days after Valentine's Day, but this isn't a topic that is only happening in February. So if you are in a romantic relationship, if you're pursuing one, hopefully some of her thoughtful questions and like reflection prompts will help you if you happen to feel that body image challenges get in your way. And we also talk about body grief. What is it? How do we navigate with it? Why is it important to understand the idea of body grief? So I hope you enjoy this episode. I really, really loved talking with Amanda. I honestly feel like I could have talked to her for hours, but for the sake of time and your attention span, we had to cut our conversation off towards the end, but I hope you enjoy it. And if you want any of Amanda's information, we have it all linked in the show notes, whether that's her Instagram, she has a free guide for providers. So if you're a fellow RD who wants to learn more about how to navigate body image concerns, be sure to check out her free guide. But thanks for listening and I'll catch you again after the episode. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the Yours Julie podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to to meet you, air quotes there. I guess we have met, not in person, but I'm still excited. I told you before we hit record that the moment you and your team reached out about possibly coming on the show, I immediately connected your name to your handle. Will you go ahead and just tell everybody what your handle is on social media? Because it's very attention grabbing. <laughs> yes, I am the Bitchin' Body Image RD. Uh, my mother said, why did you pick that name? She was not happy, but yes, it's kind of an in-your-face sort of thing. So it's Bitchin' Body Image RD. I love it. That It's just, I remember it and it sticks out in my mind. And we'll obviously have you linked and we'll direct everybody to your pages at the, the show notes. But um, let's go ahead and dig in with a little bit of this or that. Some fun questions. Sound good? Yes, I'm so excited. Okay. So I didn't tell you this before we hit record, but I made these semi Valentine's day themed since this Ooh. episode is coming out in February. So we'll kick it off with milk chocolate or dark chocolate, dark chocolate. Like I'm the same way. In that one. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. <laughs> it just has like a, a richer, bolder flavor. I like the flavor more. Absolutely. And like, let me just say, like, if you gave me a plate of milk chocolate, I would not say no. I am a chocolate person through and through. So I, I like it all. I will eat it all. But if I had to choose one, go with dark chocolate. Right. That's the point of the game, right? It's like, if I had right. to choose one. <laughs> right. if I had to choose <laughs> okay. So my next question, color wise, are you more of a pink person or a red person? So if you go to my social media, you will see that it's like pink, 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 pink. Uh, so I'm going to go with pink. I I would be the same myself. It's just yeah. fun. Like, who doesn't love yeah. pink? I'm sure there are some people out there being like, I hate pink, but I think it's a lovely color. I do too. I have to say, I just got a pair. I do some boxing, like mm -hmm. on the bag at mm -hmm. um, my friend's gym, and I got pink 
boxing gloves and I wore them for the first time yesterday and like everybody in the gym was like oh, pink boxing gloves we need pink boxing gloves so I'm here to say like it's about the, the, the color pink it does something to people tell you. The, the real question is did yeah. it make you feel more powerful and effective in your workout yes and cute yes powerful yeah, very and important cute yes <laughs> we need both of them yes. okay my next one that i was trying to make kind of valentine's day themed if you're gonna do a dinner like a special occasion dinner would you rather do a cozy dinner in or a fancy dinner out cozy dinner in my husband is a chef and i no longer cook so i'm the dietitian who doesn't cook um, so I'm going with, I'm going within because I can get the out, the outside kind of restaurant quality in the house. I think it's safe to say that everyone listening just became insanely jealous. <laughs> like well, you are married to a chef. <laughs> he's such an, and he's such a good guy, but yeah, he's, he's great. And, um, you know, what better to eat like great food in your, in your sweatpants and like not have to get dressed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Be able to shuffle from your dining area of choice yes. to the couch and not have to like, oh, yeah. home or, you know, take a toll yes. road. I'm I'm with you. I'm uh I'm a homebody. So if I can do a cozy dinner in and make it feel fancy, I would rather do that too. Even though I don't live with a chef, but I would like to think I'm a good cook and so is my fiance. So <laughs> Perfect. Well, at least it's the two of you, right? It's not just yes. on you. So yeah, we're in it as cool. a team. Um, okay. Still along the Valentine's Day theme, would you prefer a thoughtful text from someone or a handwritten card? Doesn't necessarily have to be from your husband or a romantic partner, even from a friend. Are you a texter or do you like to write things out in, in note form? I like to write things out. I'm, you know... I'm in my 40s, and so I feel like I'm old enough to remember when people sent things through the mail, and there was no texting. I have an 11-year-old son, and he's like, what was life like without phones and, like, texting? He doesn't get it. So I really love paper and pens and sending notes to people. So I would love to get a handwritten note. So I'm going with that. I'm with you. It feels not that a text can't be thoughtful. And I do love a fun voice memo from time to time, but there's just something about writing it out. And, you know, as you receive it, you're like, someone thought of me and they took the time to write this. It just feels really special. It does. And I like spent money, like how much are stamps these days? Like, like $6 to send a note. Yeah. <laughs> They're definitely edging on like 50 cents each, if not more at this point. Oh, Maybe they're, they're, more. That. they're more. They're, they're more. Like, I think we're edging on a dollar there. Yeah. Oh, they're more. You're, you've got to, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I am. Um, I decided to send virtual save the dates for my wedding. And that was one of the reasons I didn't want to have to pay for extra postage. So that's why I guess I am disconnected to how expensive it is. Such a smart idea. I love a good virtual, right? There's some like such great things now, like virtual invitations and things. I would do that too, quite honestly, but yeah. Yeah, but we'll we'll stick with the handwritten notes. I guess. We will. Yeah. Okay. My final question for you. This is bringing it full circle back to a candy question. But would you prefer sour candy or chocolate candy? If you had to pick one category, it's got to be chocolate. I'm I, like, if it's covered in chocolate, I'm good. I'm not the biggest candy person. Uh-huh. Um, I like you know a good gummy every now and then, but it's like chocolate hands down. Okay, so we've learned your. Uh, sweet hierarchy on this episode so far. It's like dark chocolate, one, <laughs> then milk yeah. and candy at the bottom. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got to like, even white chocolate is above candy on here. Okay. So I just want to say if it's chocolate, we're good. And then we'll just put the candy on the bottom. So if we've done anything so far for our listeners, we've made them consider like, what is my next chocolate of choice going to be this evening? <laughs> then our work here is done. Yeah, not quite, not quite. I'm, I'm going to yes. ask for a little bit longer. <laughs> Hopefully we can talk about all, all things body image, but it was a fun way to kick it off. So um, obviously you're the bitch in body image RD. We know that about you so far, but I just love to learn a little bit more about your story, however much you'd like to share, and how you became a dietitian who does like to focus so much on body image. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, I'm a weight-inclusive, fat-positive registered dietitian. I live in Western Massachusetts, so about two hours west of Boston. I'm from New York, 
Um, and I lived in New York City and Brooklyn for a long time. So if I drop like a curse here or there, that's, I just got to blame my New York upbringing. Um, but being a dietitian is my second career. So when I went to college, um, I was a communication major, which means I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and then um, I ended up working in my family business for about 10 years with my father. And I did public relations um, and uh, showroom management. And then, um, like a lot of other people who become dietitians, I struggled with my own relationship with food, uh, my own disordered eating. And that drove me to say, oh, well, I want to help other people be healthy just like I am. So I'm definitely one of those people who's disordered eating fueled kind of their entrance into nutrition. Um, and so I went back to school to get my RD, gosh, 10 years out. Like I was pregnant with my son when I completed my dietetic internship. Um, and I loved it, right? I was personally interested in nutrition. Uh, my mother, who's an acupuncturist, was working one-on-one -on -one with clients and not really with nutrition, but had these incredible relationships with her clients. And I was like, oh, I love that. I want to, I, I love that. I want to tell people what to do and help them get healthy, right? Totally different mindset, right? That, that we have now. But this was like younger, younger Amanda. Um, and when I graduated um, my dietetic internship, I had my son. Um, and so I stayed at home um, with him for a couple of years and then decided to re-enter the workforce and worked in community nutrition. I worked at Head Start. Um, so I was working with little kids, like preschoolers and, um, and their families. And then along the way, when I was doing that, I really had, I kind of hit rock bottom with my own disordered eating. Um, I just was like, this is enough. Um, something's got to give. And I started hearing about intuitive eating right? And health at every size. I don't, I don't know how I really don't. I wish I could pinpoint the moment that like, you know, the light went off and I was like, Eureka, like, this is it. But I think it was like a slow burn of like, I'm not happy in my body. I, you know, something is not right with my relationship with food and how I'm eating. Right. Um, and so I started doing a lot of work on my own relationship with my body and food and as I started healing that, what I realized was I want to help others. So I went from, I want to help others get healthy and like, you know, like, oh, like lose weight to, wow, I really want to help other people have a better relationship with food and their body. And so that obviously naturally fits in with intuitive eating. So I became a certified intuitive eating counselor, um, you know, read everything I could and listened to all the podcasts and did everything with health at every size. Um, and so I decided to leave working in community nutrition and open up my private practice called Happy Valley Nutrition, because where I'm located in Western Massachusetts is called the Happy Valley. Um, so it's an area in Pennsylvania in College State, uh, College, yes, yeah, State, State, State College. college. Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. So I get some interesting requests because I'm like, are you in Pennsylvania? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm in Massachusetts. Um, and so I opened my business in 2019 as a private practice, just myself. So fast forward, it's going to be five years um, this year, this summer, and I have six other dietitians working with me. Um, so it's myself and six other incredible dietitians. And so we have a really beautiful weight inclusive practice specializing in eating disorders, disordered eating, body image, health at every size. And we're the only group practice in our area that does this work. And so in addition to that, I also teach at two different colleges and I teach intro to nutrition, which is fun to go back to the basics. And then my other part of my business is the bitch and body image RD. And that was born out of working with my mentor who you've had as a guest on your wonderful podcast, Brie Campos, Body Image with Brie. And that started with, you know, working with clients and they bring up, I don't like my body. Right. And I'd be like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, I don't even like my own body. Right. So how can I as a dietitian, and there's a lot of shame in that too, of like being a dietitian, having my own body image issues, and also wanting to help others, right? Like work on their body image. 
And so I reached out to her back in before the pandemic in 2019. I was like, I need you to teach me. And so I've been working with her for, for so long. And out of that was kind of born this dream of working with other clinicians, so other dietitians, and teaching them how to incorporate body image counseling skills into their practice. And so I love especially working with new dietitians um, who, you know, are, as you know, our education was lacking in a lot of different areas, one of them being working with people. <laughs> and two, body, like, did we ever talk about body image? Like, no, never. Never. No. And so how do you make body image conversations more accessible to everybody? And so everybody wins, right? So the clinicians get to feel more empowered and more comfortable bringing up these topics. And the client also now has a clinician that can hold the space to have these body image conversations. And so body image is just my jam and near and dear to me because it's just been my story and it's been my struggle. And now, it's, you know, I'm going to be 44 in like a month and a half. And I'm like squarely in perimenopause. Um, and I shout that from the rooftops because I think we need to be talking about that more. My body has changed in a whole new level of body grief, mm-hmm. uh, body distress, body discomfort has come up. And so it's just my story. And so that's why I love, you know, talking about body image and all the other, you know, anti-diet philosophies. Well, happy early birthday. Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, and con- congrats on everything in in your career, like both pre being a dietitian and now. I I didn't know that much about your story and how you kind of came up in in nutrition. I really relate to the beginning part of your story when you were talking about your own disordered eating and body image struggles fueling your start into the dietetic space. I cannot speak for all dietitians, but for the dietitians I do know and who I've had on this podcast, that seems to be a really common theme for a lot of us. And I think that speaks to the the importance of us individually working on our own stuff related to food and body as we are helping the people who we work with. So we are not putting our stuff onto them. And that could be a whole nother part (laughs) of this conversation. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I just want to say like, thank you so much for saying that too. And, you know, sharing, sharing that that rings true for you, because I know for me, the amount of shame that I held of like, I got into this, like as a disorder, you know, with disordered eating and again, with my own body image suffering so much and like, I'm a, I'm a fake, I'm an imposter. I mean, those are the things, right. That we say to ourselves, you know, love our little gremlin brains. Uh, and there was so much shame. And like, when I heard other providers being like, oh yeah, no, yeah, totally. Me too. I was like, ah, okay, right. This feels, feels like I'm with like, you know, good company in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of us, a lot of us share. And it's funny that you mentioned connecting with Brie back in 2019. Anybody who's listened to more than like three episodes of my podcast has probably heard me mention or reference something of, of Brie. And I'll be sure to link, um, the episode that I did with her in the show notes. So people can maybe listen to that one after this one, but I was so grateful to connect with her probably around the same time because I much like yourself, was learning that in my work with real life people who have bodies, that it was really hard to talk about food and their relationship with food without also considering their relationship with their bodies and like holding space for that. And when I first started as an RD, I also felt like I had no idea what I was doing there and I wasn't taught that. So I'm very grateful to her and other professionals like for yourself for, you know, helping dietitians to understand this has to be part of our practice and it's not immediately out of scope or an area that we cannot talk about. And we often are doing our clients a disservice by not allowing space for that in conversation, like space for for body image when we're talking about nutrition and eating and, and all the things. A hundred percent. I think also the message that we get is like, you know, saving body image for last, like let's yeah. work on the food piece. Um, and I think with our clients too, right? Like let's work on the food. I want to work on the food because that feels a little bit sometimes easier in some, some ways to kind of control and to work on and more familiar and like, we'll leave the body image to the end. And like, unfortunately it just doesn't work that way, especially because so often it's our body image that can prevent that like can prevent us from eating or, 
kind of contribute to some of the eating behaviors that we engage in, the body image piece really has to be um, brought in from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if we could maybe talk a little bit about something that I saw on your social media page. It was a reel, I think it was, that you were talking about four pillars of body image or like four main components of body image. And this is something that I try to bring into session with my clients and I've heard from them that it's super helpful to be able to describe body image in different ways instead of one singular definition. So for anyone who maybe isn't familiar with these four different parts, could you offer them up and we'll maybe explain a little bit about each? Yeah. And I love that you talk about this with your clients. It's like, I do. I love that. And I love to hear that, you know, that they a little bit of education of what body image is because when I present, I'm like, what is body image? And you get like, you know, when you ask people what health means to them and you Mm -hmm. ask a hundred people and you get a hundred different answers, which is what I love. Same thing with body image. You know, what is body image? What does it mean? And I think so often we think of body image in terms of weight Mm because, you know, that's how, you know, in our, in our field, that's kind of how we talk about it. But body image really, it doesn't have to only be about weight. It's really how we, perceive ourselves and the thoughts and the feelings and the behaviors that arise from those feelings, um, if that makes sense. And so there are four aspects or pillars of body image. So one is perception, right? So that's the way that you see yourself. Um, I'm, I'm going to go through them quickly and then we can like break them down. Okay. Um, the second is affective. So affection. So the way that you feel about the way that you look, right? So the first is the way I see myself. The second is the feelings that I have that arise from seeing myself. And then is cognition. So those are the thoughts, the thoughts and beliefs that you feel about your body. And then the last are the behaviors. So what are the behaviors that arise based upon how I think, how I feel, um, and how I perceive my body? So I think if you Google, like, what is body image? Again, you're going to get all these different definitions. Uh, And these four aspects and pillars are things that I was taught by Brie, you know, my mentor, someone that's been on your podcast. But I really like it because we can break it down um, into, like, a scenario. So let me give you a scenario first. And then um, I can, we can go back. So do you ever have a client who sees himself in a picture, doesn't like the way they look? Or perhaps if you're listening to this, you ever see yourself in a picture, right? And then you look at it and you're like, holy shit, my body image just totally tanked. Yep. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I have that too. Um, And I have, and I like to share my stories of of that, you know, even as dietitians, right? We do this work. We also have our own body image story. Um, So I also find it sometimes difficult to find myself or see myself in a picture. So an example of the four pillars in action is, okay, let's say someone takes a picture of you and then you see yourself in a picture and you hate it, right? So you're seeing yourself in the picture, how you perceive it, right? And that brings about shame. That's perception, right? So I'm seeing a picture of myself and I perceive it as me not looking good, right? That's the perception aspect. That then can lead to a behavior, right? never going to wear a tank top again. I'm never getting in a picture again, right? Like I'm never leaving the house again, right? So those, so the perception, the way that we think of ourselves then leads to a behavior. And ex- another example would be, I'm not going to go to the beach and like wear a bathing suit, right? Or I always have to wear a cover up, right? I don't want anybody to see me. And then that can also lead to thoughts, right? Thoughts about our body, right? So we see ourselves in a picture, we make this declaration, I'm never going outside, right? Like that's our behavior. And then we have these thoughts, I'm bad. My body is bad. I let myself go. That's the thinking, the cognition part, right? And so that is also where like body grief kind of enters in. I know we said we might chat about that, but that's kind of this distress um, that we have around you know, being in our body. So it's okay if you're like, oh my gosh, is this like the perception part or the affective part or the, it doesn't matter, right? You don't have to break it down and know what part of body image are you experiencing at any moment. 
But I think it's just important to know that body image isn't just like, I hate the way that I look. It's how you think, how you think others like perceive you. That's a big one, right? Like mm-hmm. how, how we think others, how we think about ourselves, and how we feel about ourselves. So it's just, it's, that's why I think it's so painful sometimes mm-hmm. because it encompasses these four different aspects or pillars and it really is, you know, served to bring us down, down, down. Yeah. Well, earlier when I brought up this topic, I was telling you that sometimes when I share this with clients, they tell me that it feels very validating to hear these four different pillars, not necessarily like you were saying to have to remember or name every single thought that they might be having, but rather to understand that, oh, my body image or my experience with my body is much deeper than I don't like how I look. It can be, you know, this is really impacting how I'm moving through the world or how I'm caring for myself. Or I know, and you tell me if this is correct, but even like a behavioral piece could be deciding to limit a food or a food group, restrict our eating as a result of having one of these behaviors. And, you know, some people will even share feelings of like, I have failed or I have no self-control or I have no willpower and that being one of the beliefs wrapped up in this. So I think it can be easy to define body image as like, oh, that's just how I see myself and it's bad, but it actually goes a lot deeper than that. And I think that's why it is so affirming to know, oh, there's a lot of things at play here, not just how I picture myself in my mind. Yes. What a great, I love the way that you explained that. And I think I'm, I can imagine that that helps your clients understand why body image work <laughs> takes a long time, right? right. Yeah. Like, like sometimes I'll have clients like be like, oh, we want to work with you. And like, they have four covered sessions in insurance, you know, uh-huh. like covers four sessions. And like, can we do it all in four sessions? And I'm like, I wish we could, but like, no, <laughs> um, body image work is forever and ever more. I mean, fortunately yeah. and unfortunately, um, but that's why this takes so long because it's like, you know, peeling, not to sound cliche, but it really is peeling back these layers of an onion of like, oh, this layer is like when my mom took me to Weight Watchers when I was eight. This layer is when I dated that person and they, you know, dumped me for someone in a smaller body, right? Or like this is, you know, there's those experiences, the meanings that we make from those experiences those live in us. And that is what fuels kind of that gremlin voice of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, worthy enough. And that's why body image is so complicated. And also I can feel so like tricky, just so like, we feel so sad about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what you said too, is a great reminder or a reframe when you were talking about, can we do it in four sessions? And the answer is like, Oh, we could try, but not really. I, I think sometimes we start to think that it's like a a box that we can check. Like, okay, I talked about body image. I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. But it's really, like you were saying, this ongoing work of as long as you live in a body, you will probably have thoughts about that body. You will have feelings and experiences. So it really is this ongoing work. And yeah, I guess the, the hope can be that maybe some of the things that feel hard now can improve with time and we can have more tools, but I think it's just this very important reframe of we're never going to be like there in quotations. It's just learning to, to cope and maybe to, to soothe in other ways. A hundred percent. And I think when it comes to body image, you know, I'm sure you hear the same thing. It's, there's a lot of, you know, there's some, definitely some valleys, right. We're like, we're in it and we're like, this doesn't feel so good, but then there's some incredible highs, right. These peaks of like, I went to the gym class. I didn't give a shit what people thought of me or like I went to the, right. So I had this one, oh, this one lovely client and she was so nervous about going to the beach, right? Like it just, she was so afraid that people were going to look at her and stare at her. And it was like, she had so much anxiety and she didn't even have a bathing suit, right? And her partner ended up buying her a bathing suit. They went to the beach and she was like, it was amazing. And like, just like those moments are really what take you through of like, Yes, there are going to be those moments that you're like, wow, it feels really hard to have a body for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. And also there are these moments where you're like, I did I did the thing, right? Or I purchased bigger clothing. I purchased new undergarments. I, I went to the beach. I, I took another picture. I, I got in the picture with my child, right? You're getting mad, right? Like I, I got the dress, you know, or like I had a good experience. 
Um, and, and this is what the, the journey is. And so the hope is, is that let's say you do have a moment that feels difficult, that you're not in the suck, right? In the, in the difficult part of it for, you know, perhaps something happened, maybe someone made a comment or whatever, and, and it derails you. And you're like in this kind of negative body image space for a week, right? And you're like, you just can't get out of it. And things just are just feeling really difficult. The hope is that with body image work, understanding your relationship with your body is that instead of a week, maybe it's a couple of days. And from a couple of days, maybe it's one day. And from one day, maybe it's just some moments. Um, and also understanding, okay, when I'm having um, my body image feels difficult, what do I need? What is this telling me that I need? And also another question I like to ask is, what else is happening in this moment? So for me, when my body image, my negative body image starts to spike, that's the first question I ask because a lot of times it has nothing to do with my body. Mm. It has everything to do with the fact that there's probably something that's feeling hard in life that I don't feel like I have control over. And we know that, or I know that hating my body, I can do that really well. Like I'm an expert. I know exactly what to say to myself to make myself feel awful, right? And really kind of like cut me down. And so the body is the perfect scapegoat. And so one of the best questions you can ask yourself if you're like, oh my God, out of nowhere, like I'm not feeling so great. What else is happening in your life, right? And again, it doesn't feel good to not feel good in your body, but a lot of times it's easier because it feels comfortable than to be like, oh, like I need to like do my taxes right? or like, <laughs> you know, these things that feel like really big. Um, and so, yeah, that's just one of the things that I always think about. And for me, sometimes like with my cycle, right? Like, oh, like clockwork, here we, here mm-hmm. we go. It's, it's time, bring on the body shame, like, come on. Um, and we start to develop a relationship with our body um, that sometimes it's not great. It's a relationship but we start to understand it a little bit better. Yeah. I love that question so much. Like when we're in that negative body image space, like what else is going on? Because I, you know, you use the term scapegoating or body scapegoating. Many people who live in a body know how to do that and know how to do that very well. So zooming out to be like, yeah, I could be uncomfortable for X, Y, Z reason in my body right now, but is there another part to the story? that is also happening that is, you know, maybe adding to the discomfort or, or making me feel a little bit more spirally. Exactly. And I find that that, that question is kind of helpful when all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh, I hate my body. And you don't really know why. Right. When it's a reason, like, let's say, for instance, I'll give, I'll give an example for me of like, I'm doing, I don't know, I'm doing yoga, right? And like, my body doesn't move just because again, I'm in my 40s, and it doesn't feel as good. And my and I'm doing a yoga pose. And I'm like, I'm not as bendy as I used to be, or like, I can't twist or I can't like bend over because my belly is in the way. And then the body image distress comes up, you know, it's like, okay, I know why that's happening. It's not because I have to pay my business taxes. It's not because of that, right? It's because there is some distress happening. And so the next question that I ask, or I'll ask my clients is like, what do I need? What, what do I think this is saying about me? Like, why does it feel so difficult? Like, so what's the judgment I'm placing on myself? And then also, what do I need? What do, it, it's just a sign that there's a need that's not being met. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like, I need to not do yoga. Or maybe it's like, I need to do more yoga. Or maybe it's, I need to put on a comfortable outfit or call a friend or I don't know, right? Or listen to this podcast um, to help me get into a better space. But I again, I think that when we're really kind of rallying against our bodies, it gives us a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's um it's helpful to view that as a like what need needs to be met in this moment. How can I come to myself in a caring, compassionate way rather than immediately hopping into like fix it mode. It's like, okay, yes. what diet am I starting tomorrow? What behavior change am I making so that I'll never feel this way again? Right. It's yeah. a lot more helpful to approach it. Like, okay, what is something realistic that I can do in this moment that might offer yes. a little bit of support or, or meet me where I'm at rather than, you know, send me into another diet spiral or whatever it might be. A hundred percent. Like your body is never like the problem, right? It's either 
you know, beliefs that we have that, again, that we've taken for as long as we've been alive. It's the fact that our world is not set up for people of different sizes. And so like having anger at, you know, the establishment or the patriarchy is very well placed, right? And just finding other ways to kind of separate from, again, the meaning that we're making that it's our fault because it's, you know, your body is never the fault. Yeah. I'm wondering if um if we could maybe talk a little bit about relationships or dating and body image, mostly since this is coming out in February. Something that might be on some people's minds is the lovey-dovey of it all, the romantic relationship of it all. And again, I cannot speak for everyone who is listening to the podcast, but I know for a lot of my clients, when it comes to romantic relationships or partnerships that can often be an area where some body image concerns maybe come up. Like for example, what if my body has changed or what if it does change or what if I'm meeting someone for the first time? So you can take this in any direction that feels best for you, but what do you have to say on, on this topic? <laughs> Big thing in your direction. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks. No, it's, 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 it's an important thing. And I, I just want, I want to just lay this out there. Like all of those things, those concerns, those worries of like, will they still like me if my body change it, right? Like I've experienced all of that. Like I, my body has changed a lot over the past couple of years. I am bigger than my partner. I am, you know, like you put a side to side, like my thighs, like I'm just, I'm bigger. Um, and, you know, for a while I'm like, oh, this is a problem. Like he's gonna not find me attractive or, you know, no, no, it, that has not happened. And I think because the same things happened to me of like, oh my God, like this is about me, right? Like, how can anybody like me? My body is kind of going off in this direction. Um, I want to just validate that. Like that does feel really vulnerable and that does feel really scary. And, you know, I can just say for people who are partnered, um, if your partner doesn't love you as much because your body has changed, well, like honestly, screw like, then there's some other things I think happening underneath. Um, and if you feel comfortable enough with your partner, like have that conversation, right? And like, I I now out myself when it comes to, to body image stuff because I've held so much shame keeping this to myself and feeling so badly about myself that I will just say it out loud. So I've said to my partner, like, do, like you know, in that moment of vulnerability of like, do you still find me attractive? Like, I know my body has changed, um, you know? And, and he's like, no, I... No, I have no problem with it. And so I think putting yourself out there and really seeking, because we're always wondering, like, what are they thinking? Like, what are they saying? Right? Like, what do they really still find me, you know, worthy of them? And I think the, the thing to do is also turn it on yourself. Of like, do you not feel worthy of their affection and love? How are you feeling about your body? It doesn't often have really to do with the other person. I think we have to turn the question back around on ourselves because mm. it really wasn't, do I think my partner's going to find me attractive? It was more like, do I find me attractive in this changed body? And and the answer at the time, sometimes it's no. And sometimes it's like, yeah, fine. Right. I don't always love, I certainly don't always love the way that I look, but again, I think turn the question on yourself and really ask yourself, like, is this about the other person or is this about you? And in terms of like being single and dating, like, you know, I haven't been in that space in a while, but it is, I can imagine, it is not fun. It is not easy to date in a marginalized body, right? In a, in a, in a body that maybe isn't a straight side body. Um, you know, I've heard from others and I want to validate that experience. That is, it just feels very vulnerable. So that's me rambling on that question. But if you are someone who's feeling vulnerable or in a relationship, just turn it on yourself and also have the conversation with your partner if you feel like you have that relationship. Yeah, I'm thinking too in the the idea of turning that question on yourself. Like if the answer is, well, my body has changed and I don't find myself attractive or I feel like my beliefs about my body have changed, could that be a thing of body grief or like a, a moment oh, 100%. to talk about that? Like, let's maybe, yeah. we can tie this conversation in a bow with body grief. Like, what is it? Like, if you had your elevator pitch on body grief and why it's important that we have this definition, what would it be? Yeah. So body grief to me is 
when you experience that, like the loss of something or the change, right? There's been a change or a loss, right? And you have no control over it. And so it feels really, really bad, right? So think of grieving when somebody passes away or a pet passes away. And think also of how our culture expects us to deal with it, right? Like if you work in an office or for a larger corporation, you get like two days of bereavement and then back to work. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, you don't feel good. You're sad. You have all the emotions, right. That, that come around with grief. And then you're expected to go right back to, to life. It's the same thing with body image, right? It's like, I think a lot of the messaging that we get around body image is like, just love your body. Just love it. And like, that is very toxic. Um, and that is not where most people sit. And so if we don't talk about body grief of, please, I want you to experience the emotions of God, this feels really hard. This feels really uncomfortable. And also working with a clinician or someone to help you develop tools to kind of sit in that place, right? We don't want you to just like sit and suffer forever. But I think having moments where you're like, oh my God, this is really hard. That is the only way to start really like healing your relationship with yourself and your body. Because in when we sit in that kind of place of, oh my God, this feels so hard. On the other side of it, kind of lays the place where we can actually do the body image work. Mm. something that um that stood out to me in your definition is you were talking about like we don't something that we don't have control over right if we think of a pet passing away or a loved one passing away you're right that is an area where we do not have control the thing that I think is harder when it comes to the body piece is dieting very much ingrains this message of well you do have control you control how your body looks and what your weight is and all of your health behaviors. Now, we know that that is not the case. I think everyone listening to this podcast understands that health and bodies are far more complicated than the choices of an individual. Um, but I, I think that is where this can be a lot harder because it's this area where we've been taught wrongly that we we do have control over it. So if it has changed, it's your fault. Yeah, what comes up for me when you say that, and it's absolutely like spot on, is there's um she's like a self-help person named Byron Katie, and she says suffering lies in the shoulds. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for example, I'll just again take myself, because I'm like, I talk about this all the time, but like, you know, I should, I shouldn't, right? I shouldn't be gaining this much weight in perimenopause. I should, right, like be doing X, Y, and Z, right? I shouldn't be like this. The suffering is in the should, right? The freedom really lies in the acceptance of this is my here and now body. I don't have to like it, but I accept where I am. And from here, I'm just gonna, you know, move on. Um, but that's why I think sometimes the toxic positivity can be really difficult. That's why grief can be really difficult because there's so much emotion attached to it. On the other side of the grief piece, um, outside of the shoulds, is is acceptance and again acceptance doesn't mean i love my body acceptance just means okay it, here i accept it i accept that this is where we are right now yeah it reminds me of the question that you threw out earlier in our episode of like what can i do to support myself like yeah this is where i am this is my here and now body so how am i going to care for myself today right a lot more of the the meeting yourself where you're at rather than the what was the phrase you used the sitting, the should, the shit, the shame, and the should. It was an S. <laughs> oh, um, I don't remember. The suffering lies in the should. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah, rather yeah, than right? suffering because in the shoulds. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it though. Like I should be doing it. Like I, I, you know, I talk to my therapist. I'm like, but I should. And then I look at her, and she looks at me, and I was like, I know, I know. I shouldn't say should. Right? Like we all know that, but we can't help it. That's what we've been conditioned to do. Um, and so it's really breaking up with with a lot of those beliefs that we've been, that have been ingrained. Um, and again, this is why body image stuff is so complex. And this is why if you're someone who's listening, you're like, I just can't, like, it's okay. That's really normal and natural. And we swim in a toxic soup of diet culture. And so you're doing, you're, so if you're someone listening and you're working on healing your relationship with your body, you are doing that within this dangerous waters right of diet culture you're not doing it in like a vacuum where everybody is weight inclusive and loves you and like accepts you you're doing it like 
like in in the midst of and so like if you're someone that's trying to do that like bravo that is really hard maybe that's our ending note like bravo Bravo. Yeah. 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 You know, as you said, body image is a big topic and I feel like we could probably keep talking for about four to five more, more hours. (laughs) Probably need more body image episodes on the podcast now that I think about it. I think you do. Um, But for now, um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you and your business and any resources that you have to offer on this topic or even nutrition in general? Absolutely. So my business is Happy Valley Nutrition. So we're on Instagram at Happy Valley Nutrition. And for my body image um, for clinicians, I'm at Bitchin Body Image RD. And I have a couple of freebies. Um, one of them is about, oh, my client just bought off body image. Now what? And I have another one out now that is about, um, it's if there's some cursing in it but basically like how can i support my clients when i my own body image sucks basically Mm. um so just calling that out as well so definitely connect with me on instagram um i love you know just like you said before we started recording like it's just so nice to meet other people and connect um and i love to do the same yeah. And we'll sure we'll be sure to have both of those things linked, like both of your accounts and all the places in the show notes in case a person wants to look up your nutrition stuff or a dietitian maybe wants to look into your body image uh, work and if they would find that helpful, we'll be sure to have that. Um, Thank you. But thank you so much for joining me this afternoon or morning, whenever our listeners are listening on the podcast. Um, It was awesome getting to know you. And I guess we can go ahead and sign off by saying yours, Julie, Claire, and Amanda. And that's all we have for episode 186 here on the Yours Truly podcast. Thank you so much for carving out some time in your busy schedule to hit play and spend some time with myself and Amanda. If you want to learn more about her or connect with her on social media or in any other way, we'll have all of that linked below in the show notes. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode and you feel inclined to share that, you can take a screenshot wherever you might be listening and put it on your social media story, Instagram, make a TikTok. I don't know what you do, share it in some way. Be sure to tag me at Claire Tuning and Amanda at Bitch and Body Image RD. You can also share this episode with a friend or a family member by clicking the little three dots somewhere on your screen and getting the link to the episode to text out or email. And as always, if you have a little bit of extra time and you feel inclined to leave a review and tap those five stars, I would love that and be forever grateful. But until next month, National Nutrition Month, I hope you stay nourished and fueled and get some rest. And I love you. Bye.